Monday after week two, only one game left this weekend. As we sit here after the second week of the NFL season, a lot of things going, I think, the way that, that many people expected, but there are a couple question marks that come up as we start to dig into really where we are at this point in the season. Again, still very early, but still trying to figure out where we're going to be heading over the course of the 2016 season. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown if you sign up today. Mark, busy day in the NFL on, on Sunday. Obviously, a couple uh, couple key divisional games that we saw here. Where do you want to start? Is there anywhere in particular that you think makes sense for us today? Did anybody predict that the NFC West would be knotted up with all four teams at one and one after week two? No, I mean, and the the main reason for that is that, I mean, look, I understand that someone had to win that week one game between San Francisco and L.A., so obviously one of those teams was going to pick up a win, but I don't think anyone saw the Rams going, you know, having you know their first home game and obviously they've given that Seahawks team you know a tough time the last couple of years but you know picking up a victory there over you know admittedly a somewhat injury riddled Seahawks team with Russell Wilson clearly not playing at a hundred percent but still nonetheless picking up a win in their first game back in Los Angeles and I got to tell you look I it was kind of nice to like it was kind of nice to see the Coliseum filled for for a pro game I, I, I gotta put that out there yeah, I mean, that was definitely cool. I mean, obviously the Seahawks, like you said, were banged up. Um, Wilson played, but he, you know, he was hobbled with a high ankle sprain. Baldwin suffered a knee injury. He's getting an MRI, um, had some back spasms during the game. Lockett went out for a stretch. So, you know, that Seahawks offense was really limited today. Um, you know, so, I mean, obviously hats off to the Rams um, getting their first win. Their nice, you know, nice first home win for them. But, yeah, I mean, that NFC West, I mean, Arizona loses their uh, home opener on Sunday night last week, but they come back with a big win over Tampa Bay. Yep, you know, dropping forty on them. It's a nice little rebound for them. Yeah, and and, and watching the uh, that Ram Seahawks game, I'm going to jump back there briefly. I watched most of uh, the second half of that live, and then dug back through a little bit more of it afterwards. Watching that game, the thing that stood out to me the most, obviously, look, Wilson, we knew wasn't going to be at a hundred percent. You hear that term, high ankle sprain, that's thrown out there. That's an injury that's going to take a long time to heal. Those are not the quick ones where you're back to 100% in two to three weeks. It's something that could linger for the first half of the season. But what stood out to me as well is this is a team that really has had one of the most potent rushing attacks in the NFL over the last three to four seasons and simply could not get anything going against, look, you've got one of the best you know, interior linemen in the league in Aaron Donald. I mean, you've got you know, some, some fast, strong linebackers, fast you know, safeties that are able to go sideline to sideline. You know, this was a team, and this Rams defense might be better than I think some people had given it credit for. Maybe I just didn't realize quite how good they were. But they looked, you know, again, the speed that they have is very impressive on defense. I, I still think they're going to struggle against teams that can throw the ball very well. But for a team that didn't have uh, everything clicking on offense, look, they, they were able really 
to pretty much shut down the Seattle team. I mean, again, you're holding the Seahawks to three points here. It's an impressive performance, regardless uh, of, of you know the, the health of the Seahawks. Yeah, although you know there have been tons of questions about that Seahawks offensive line. Um, you know, obviously the Rams front seven is very good. I mean, not to take anything away from them, but this might have been a situation where you've got sort of a hobbled quarterback in Russell Wilson. You know, granted they threw the ball a fair amount. I mean, even though Wilson had that injury, I mean they put it up thirty-five times. But you you knew going in that they were probably going to try to rely on the run game. You know, the Rams knew that as well. So this was a chance for them to kind of, you know, stout up against that run. And they did a pretty good job of it. I mean, leading carrier for Seattle was Christy Michael with only 60 yards on the ground. Yep. And obviously, uh, you know, you talk about Michael and the big thing everyone's going to point to uh, is that, you know, fumble towards the end of the game in the final two minutes that pretty much ended up uh, costing them the game when it was all said and done there. So still some questions, as you mentioned, about that Seattle offense, in particular, the offensive line. We know that even going back to last year, there were some ways they could scheme around it, but obviously some work that needs to be done in order to figure it out for the 2016 edition here. Um, where do you want to go next, Mark? Just kind of bouncing around here. A couple of 0-2 teams that I don't think people saw coming. I mean, you know, Dolphins going 0-2 to start the year. Obviously, they had that tough trip out west of Seattle and another road game against New England. But if you were to tell people that, look, New England would be on their third quarterback at Jacoby Brissett at some point during this game, you'd have expected that Miami would pull out at least one win out of the first two weeks. They yeah. dropped both of them. Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, what's what's interesting about this uh, this Dolphins team, and you did have Arian Foster go out early in this game with a groin injury as well, uh, which you ended up with uh, Jay uh, Ajayi and uh, Kenyon Drake pretty much uh Trying to trying to run the ball somewhat, but you know the two of them only ended up with seven carries. This team, Miami, was playing from behind the whole game, and they put the ball in the hands of Tannehill. Obviously, for the first you know really first half, not a whole lot able to uh, get going in the air. Tannehill didn't look particularly strong. Second half started to figure out what they were doing against the Patriots defense. A lot of throws down the sideline, really testing. Um, Justin Coleman in the secondary, who they found to be uh, just not capable of covering the quick Miami receivers, both Jarvis Landry and occasionally Devontae Parker when matched up with him, both finding some space, especially Landry with 10 receptions, 137 yards there. And really, it was just, look, we're going to work, you know, the edges of the field and go deep downfield there where we think we have some, you know, some matchups. And then coming right over the middle, you know, there's going to be some space there and we hope that we can exploit that as well. And it's it's something that Miami was able to do for much of the second half. Really, you know, the, the couple issues, one of, you know, the two real miscues were on interceptions, one of which Tannehill just didn't see Jamie Collins lurking out there about 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Second one towards the end of the game on a, uh, you know, route to the corner where, you know, kind of not a jump ball, but kind of just putting it up there and just ended up with a pick off it. So, you know, Tannehill very unimpressive in the first half, but the offense seemed to click a lot better and, and really get moving in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly pretty much how that went down. Um, you know, the interception from Tannehill, just kind of head-scratching decisions. I mean, we saw a, a number of those this week from quarterbacks. We can get into a couple that happened in Washington in a second, but they, they just need better production from Tannehill, I think. I mean, those two interceptions were just killers. I mean, there was another fumble. Was it Landry that fumbled on yep. a catch and run? I yep. mean, 
you can't be laying the ball down on the road, turning it over on the road, especially against a division rival, and expect to come out of there with a win. Well, and this is a game where you know the the stat line. I think we've talked about the dangers of box score scouting. You know, you'd look at Tannehill's line and you'd see, okay, thirty-two of forty-five, so he's you know about sixty-six percent passing. 389 yards, two touchdowns, and you're, you're kind of sitting there and you're saying, okay, two picks, where'd those come from? But, you know, in the heat of watching it, it, it almost was, you know, you're kind of sitting there saying, well, this is the most mediocre near 400-yard game I've ever seen. That's the sense I got watching it, at least. Yeah, I mean, might not have been the most mediocre near 400-yard game of the week, though. I mean, there are a couple of them. I mean, Eli, yeah, the Giants won, but, yep. you know, 32 for 41 for 368. I'm trying to find – I mean, Bortles, 31 for 50 for 329, two touchdowns, but they got blown out by San Diego. So, Yeah, I mean, it's and, – and obviously the thing I find so interesting about this season is there there's still a few teams that really – I don't think anyone has a, you know really a full beat on what they are going to end up being. And one that I want to talk about is this Oakland Raiders team, okay? Uh, this Raiders team – comes into the season and everyone's talking okay that that Raiders defense is you know going to be able to turn the corner they're going to be one of the next you know really solid defenses you know no one's talking about him as a great defense coming into this year I think but back-to-back games giving up 30 plus points now granted you know you've, you've got a Saints team that's always able to put up points especially at home but you know a Falcons team that tends to be pretty soft especially on the road comes in and ends up putting up 35 points there you know, Oakland's a team that I just don't have a real feel for this season yet, and I think we really have to see you know how things play out the next three to four weeks to really see if that defense can get back on track. That defense has given up over a thousand yards in the first two weeks. It was I mean, what five hundred and twenty-eight today, I think. Yeah, I mean that's a massive number, especially for. I mean, a lot of people, you and I included. We're looking at this team and looking at that defense in this offseason and saying, look, you know, this is going to be a pretty good team, probably a playoff team. Eventually, this is the team that has the makings of a potential Super Bowl contender. And, you know, one and one, yeah, that's okay. That's not oh, awful. I mean, there are a lot of teams that would love to be one and one right now. But the way they've gone about it, that comeback down in New Orleans, which is great. It's nice to get a little comfort behind win. But then sort of like just kind of lay down on the home opener. Ah. That's got to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Kind of laid an egg, but nothing says September football more than seeing the uh, the baseball outline when Oakland's playing at home. It, it, like every time I see that, I'm just kind of like, oh, still September. It, like it just kind of triggers it for me. Talking oh, talking with Mark Schofield here about the first week. Before we go further, I just want to remind you. Actually, we were talking about the second week. That went quick. Talking a little bit about crossover football as well. Crossover football can help coaches to win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels that you can exchange with anyone on any platform, including all of your own players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Mark, I got to eat a little bit of crow. Um, as long as we're kind of going through you know, teams that maybe we got a little bit wrong. Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm, I'm hurting a little bit today. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about them last week in that game against Green Bay where, you know, we kind of both felt like, you know, for a young team going up against a team like Green Bay, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a bad performance. They hung in there to the end, had a chance to win it at the end. But today... Laid an egg. Ooh, that was just, I mean... Our friend Matt Williams had tweeted something out um, during the game. Somebody had tweeted at him from the game, and they're like, look, I'm a big Chargers fan. This might be the worst performance I have ever seen from a football team, borderline unprofessional. That was a tweet that somebody sent to Matt. And I'd almost have to agree with that. I mean, yeah, they tacked on a couple of touchdowns at the end of this game, but they just – I mean, that that game was over quick. Well, and you look at just how quickly it was over. San Diego's drives. First one, eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Second drive, Jacksonville forces a punt. You're thinking, okay, good. You know, maybe we can turn this around. Jacksonville interception. Then we've got touchdown, touchdown, fumble, punt, touchdown, punt, touchdown. Like, all of a sudden, it's 35 nothing, and you are, I think at that point, midway through the fourth quarter. You know, through the third quarter, I'm sorry. So it's, you know, in a hurry, this game just got out of control. And that Jacksonville offense in the first first half, you talk about complete ineptitude in what you saw there. Punt, interception, missed field goal, fumble, punt. It's, you know, oh, interception, sorry, two interceptions, my bad. So, you know, just complete ineptitude in the first half. If I'm reading this right... Uh, we've got 48 yards, we've got 39, so we're at about 90 yards. They didn't even have 100 yards of offense in the first half. You know, and this is this is an offense that we have talked at length about the weapons that they have. You know, you talk about on the outside, you've got uh, Lee, Robinson, Hearns, you've got Julius Thomas, who's bounced back, you know, the first couple weeks played pretty decently at tight end. You know, the running game, I think, is still kind of a work in progress. I'm not completely sold on TJ Yeldon at this point, but... You know, this is a team that you had higher expectations and figure, look, in a shootout, they should at least be able to stay competitive. Couldn't do it today, though. No, that, that, that game was over early. It was, was not really competitive. Um, Jacksonville, a couple, one of a couple of other uh, 0-2 teams that we should talk about. Washington, you know, losing on Monday night to Pittsburgh. Then you get, the you know, your second home game. You know, they start with that dreaded 0-2 at home. And, I mean, that's usually a death knell for teams that have playoff aspirations. I mean, there's probably stats out there. I know I've seen them about teams that start 0-2 at home that, like, never make the playoffs. And Washington's staring that in the face right now. And Kirk Cousins threw two two questionable throws in that fourth quarter of that game, one an interception on a pass thrown to Pierre Garçon where he just never even saw the coverage from the backside of the underneath defender. Just basically, guy just jumped right under. It was almost like Cousins was throwing it right to him. And then they faced a fourth down. On their second to last drive of the game, I think it was needed to convert. It was about a five yard throw, and um, Dallas was in cover one. The underneath hole defender, the linebacker there, just read Cousins' eyes and stepped right in front of the slant route. Didn't intercept it, but knocked it down, and that's all he needed to do in that situation. Again, Cousins just didn't see it. Um, he missed the throw to Jamison Crowder. There might have been some miscommunication on the route, but Crowder was open for for six, and it just got overthrown. I don't know if Crowder was supposed to stay vertical or. Cousins just missed the throw, but some question marks, both sides of the ball, really, from Washington, but particularly, I mean, we heard all about that Josh Norman and not covering Antonio Brown, but this week, I think there's more questions on the offensive side of the ball. Mark, digging into uh, Crowder a little bit, you've watched him uh, a little bit over the preseason as well as through the first couple games here. What's been your thoughts on him, kind of his second year? Is he starting to kind of make that jump to that next level in the slaughter? What are you seeing from him? 
I think so. I mean, I, I'd say I'm probably cautiously optimistic about his sort of long-term career arc. Um, Future hit- New England Patriot? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. You know, if we're going to go that route, Willie Sneed has been fun to watch. Willie over these Sneed's first a lot weeks. of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, some of the routes he can run out of the slot. Um, you know, I'm breaking down this giant Saints game, which wasn't a lot of fun to watch, but he's fun to watch from the slot. But getting back to Crowder, I mean, he took advantage of a lot of sort of off coverage, at least in the later stages of that Pittsburgh game. We've seen a lot of zone. Pittsburgh was kind of dropping deep and giving a lot of stuff up underneath. But he's another guy that's pretty shifty in the slot, runs fairly decent routes, solid hands for the most part, fairly good after the catch. So, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic, as I would say, cautiously optimistic on this sort of long-term arc. Anything to be optimistic about if you are an Indianapolis Colts fan right now? I mean, it can't get worse, right? You've You've given up 73 points in the first two games. Um, Andrew Luck against, uh, admittedly, against an admittedly tough Broncos defense, 21 for 40. You simply need to be better than that, even against a tough defense like this. It's, it's a tough time to be a Colts fan right now. Well, you get three straight home games, Chargers, Jaguars, Bears. Three winnable home games. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the sky's not completely fallen. And again, it's the AFC South. I mean... Does any team really strike you out of that division right now as somebody that's going to just run away with it? Jaguars did in the preseason, but I'm looking kind of dumb on that one. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Houston, maybe. What do you make of I that mean, Houston Texans team? Will Fuller having a nice couple weeks uh, out of the gate here. Yeah, I mean, I saw a stat on him was like the first rookie in Texans history to have two straight 100-yard games or for something about rookies having two straight 100-yard games to start their career. Might have just been for the Texans. But, yeah, nice little start to his career. I mean, that was, that's a nice, that was a nice win for Houston, um, getting a win over Kansas City. Yeah, it's a good win for Houston. I think uh, still some questions about Brock Osweiler there in terms of, you know, can he week in and week out be the guy in Houston? Not the best performance from him today. A couple picks on the day there. Um, but obviously Houston is kind of in the catbird seat in, in that week AFC South, uh, sitting there at 2-0 and to start the season. Yeah, but you, I mean the thing with Osweiler, though, is this was a playoff team last year that got right, well, horrific production at the quarterback position for the most part. So he just has to be an upgrade over that, and they're a better team. Well, and the, and the other thing, and I think you and I talked about this towards the end of last season, was you know you talk about the work that DeAndre Hopkins last did last year and the quarterbacks that he had throwing to him. I mean, it was just, you know, you've got a guy like that, but somehow you can't find a capable quarterback to throw to him. I mean, you're going through, again, I'll go through the list. Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon. Like, you're sitting there, you're going through it. It's like, okay, so we've got New England Patriots, third stringers, and then guys who just never made it. It's, yeah. you know, so you, you, you hope that Osweiler, again, he's a guy, we've talked about teams like this. He doesn't have to be great. He just has to be capable. He just has to not make those mistakes. And I think those two picks that he did throw today, you know, that's something that you don't want to see from him because, again, he doesn't have to win you the game on his own necessarily, but he does need to keep the ball because once you start playing against better teams, if you are the Texans, you know, you can do this against the Chiefs, but again, you're going into New England next year and maybe maybe this or next week, maybe this is a place to talk about this as well. Look, New England sitting there. Jacoby Brissett, talk, you you wrote the book on Jacoby Brissett. Talk to me about him. 
Well, I mean, big picture though, New England fans were pretty much hoping for two and two with these four games without Brady. They, they've got that locked at least, right? Yeah, you can't. I mean, they've got the two wins. You've got can't those two at that. least. How, how quickly? I mean, you're obviously going to be running from a very limited playbook on Thursday night. You've got only three days to get your install done. So it's not a case where Jacoby Brissett is going to all of a sudden pick up the entire playbook here. So you're going to be working from a relatively short stack when it's all said and done here against a pretty capable defense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough ask for a rookie quarterback, you know, in your third game. Um, the book on Garoppolo right now is shoulder sprain, but out for this week because, again, it's a short week. Yep. Um, New England's going to really have to rely on the run game. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the ITP slack. Like, this might be a situation where New England just effectively punts this one. I mean, do you hold? Do you try to rush Gronkowski back to get enough offense out of him? You could use him in blocking in the run game as well. But or do you just say, look, you know, we're going to start the rookie. We're going to see what we can get out of him. But like you said, short, easy playbook. A lot of quick reads for him. Um, don't throw anything too complex out out there. Just try to play, you know, time of possession and defense. Try to steal a win that way. And if not, hey, then you're two and one. You know probably just as good or if not better than people thought you were going to be after the first three weeks given the situation they faced coming into the season and then you got 10 days to rest up and get ready for buffalo so with the way the schedule is set up for new england you know that first game on the road but then three straight home games you know if they drop this one or if they don't you know, pull out a win again on Thursday night, it's probably not the end of the world for them. Well, and then, you know, even if uh, you, you do struggle, even if you do have to go with Brissett for these two games, and let's say worst case scenario is uh, Patriots end up 2-2 two and two here, all of a sudden you've got Cleveland sitting there on your schedule and Tom Brady's back in week five. Yeah. So you, you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, look, we weather the storm the next couple weeks, we live to fight another day, and then we get the big guy back on October 9th and we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, I think if... Again, everybody was saying two and two is kind of what they should hope for. They're going to get that. So now everything from here the next two weeks on is pretty much icing on the cake. So, you know, maybe they, you know, they face a tough task this week. They're going to be home dogs. I mean, early line looks like Houston minus two and a half. Um, Maybe rest up, focus on that Buffalo game, you know, a week and a half from now and go from there. Sounds like a plan, Mark. We're done for the day. Monday's over. First day in the book. Finish that Monday strong, everybody. Um, I know it seems like a long week right now, but we'll power through it together. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. We're back here tomorrow on the Quick Kicks podcast. Also, uh, some of you who listen to us, you may not know, we also have two other podcasts that are running regular shows on a weekly basis right now. The two podcasts, Pile On You. Make sure that you go and subscribe to that if you're interested in anything related to the college game. Breaking the Plane, the podcast. You want to check that out. It's uh, Matt Williamson, formerly from ESPN. He's doing a show with John Ledyard. They do a great job covering NFL action. Make sure that you give them a subscription. Subscribe to them, whatever you want to call it. They do great work there. Make sure that you get on all of those just so that you can listen to everything that we have to offer. Once again, we are done for the day. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.